Hey family, this is Jonathan Soul. Stand by, let me power up this engine right quick. See, what you gotta understand is space is black. It's black, it's vast, and it's full of life. Here on JonathanSoul.com, what we do is we explore blackness in the form of comics, sci-fi, mystery thrillers, science fiction and fantasy, basically. I interview writers, illustrators, publishers, actors, filmmakers from the African, African-American, the global black community and see what kinds of dimensions, worlds, civilizations they're building. So put your seatbelt on, engage your gravity boots, make sure there's an airtight seal on your chute. And let's ride in three, in two, in one. I got the honor and privilege of bringing you guys some of that old black magic. Somebody who has tapped deep into the spiritual roots of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, and brought back some graphic novel gold. Now, for posterity, man, please pronounce your full name proper and complete. Yeah, it's Newton Lillevoix. Lillevoix. Yeah. There you go. There's no Johnson in there or Smith or anything. It's just Lillevoix. Just straight French. Yeah, just straight French, man. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Style, man. The style is classic. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, man. So you are the second creator in two weeks that I've interviewed who is going back to what I consider the, our dystopian past. Okay. You know what I mean? When you, when you read, uh, you know, science fiction by white creators, a lot of them kind of, you know, like my, my, my man's in them, uh, 1984, uh, George Orwell, you know, they kind of project this dystopian, you know, vibe into the future. Right, right. But black people in America, we got a dystopian past. Yeah, I mean, you can't true. get no more dystopian than slavery. <laughs> you follow me so it's it's all uphill from here <laughs> you, know what yeah, you know what I mean <laughs> so you got your comic and, and ladies and gentlemen we're talking about a, a terrific comic you go over to dreamfurycomics.com dreamfurycomics.com and there's a story that, he, that he's uh, breaking out called uh, Crescent City Monsters it's a webcomic yep. off the chain uh, Newton Lelevoix and Gian Carlo Banal. Now, is this brother from the Philippines your artist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you guess? The, the last name, and you're the second artist, the uh, second writer who mm -hmm. tapped the brother from the Philippines. I was like, okay, all right, okay, all right, man. I see what y'all doing. So, yeah. um, so, so, tell me why your comic is set in like Jim Crow era Deep South. Oh, that's a good question. So, um. It's set in that because when I originally started, I wanted an environment that uh, that had like a lot of friction, right? Okay. So um, I was like, what better environment than um, the civil rights era, right? Um, of that time. So it's like you, that, that layer of friction, I thought would help the story, you know, help uh, actually build a little bit more layering in terms of uh, the, the environment and what's going on. Yeah, man. I mean, there was one panel when uh, the police was pulling up uh, behind your uh, protagonist uh, on a motorcycle, and uh, I started to get stressed. 
You know what I mean? I was like, where, where is this coming from? You know, kind of a thing. So um, just to just to give the, 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 the fans a little taste, kind of give us an overview of, of the story in, uh, in, in Crescent City uh, Monsters. Just give us a brief overview. Yeah, I'm going to make this real general because I'm, I don't want to spoil anything because, believe it or not, the, the first chapter that you see in is just like the tip of the story. It's just... It's really like the prologue of the story. And just um, let me let me just interrupt real quick. And I got to say this, man, and I mean this in all sincerity. If you don't get this printed, I'm going to have to call Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson <laughs> on you. You have got I got to have this imprint in my hand. OK, I got to do it. Go ahead. Give us the, in, give us the imprint. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to um, have that imprint. Um, so the story is a uh, is, uh, supernatural slash horror action story that takes place in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a sorcerer who loses everyone and everything that's important to him in his life, right? So he's he's pulled into this nightmare scenario, and he, he's, he's trying to find out exactly who's done this to him and why. And in the process, he, he discovers um, who he really is. Um, so I, I know that sounds cryptic, but, but that's, that's how I'm going to leave it for now because... You know, I, there's there's a lot of uh, surprises that I, I want to kind of put into the story. See, ladies and gentlemen, when you're in the presence of greatness, uh, one ingredient that you always find is humility. Let me tell you what's really going on in this book. If y'all <laughs> remember the first season of uh, of True Blood, right? The first season before they started getting all weird and everything and season three and shit. Just imagine some blues, not just the intro music, but the theme, the vibration, the soul. Imagine some black people up in there. <laughs> you, you follow me? You know, uh, some, some kind of demon slayer, wizard kind of vibration. You know, that's what's really happening. This thing is heavy. Okay, this, this is heavy. I don't want to use no, you know, no crazy metaphors. I'm just going to tell you, the, the, the story pace is solid. Uh, the, the characters are, are, you know, you can connect with them. You got, you know, the, the young people with the musical band and he got a little brother you got to take care of. You know, that's one thing that I remember. This is how the nerd coming out. There was a line in Inuasha where um, I think it's the older brother, Shoshomaru, kept kept losing. And he was telling his father, you know, how come I can't, you know, do that? And the third can't, you know. And then the father said, you need someone. He said, have you found someone to protect? Kind of a thing. Okay. And uh, right. so having, just in human nature, having someone that depends on you changes your whole personality it creates a whole different kind of it brings you into maturity and so yeah, when yeah. i see the leading character with a little brother to protect to provide for mm-hmm. i'm like wow okay wow <laughs> see you ain't I'm even see that in there did you you ain't even see that yeah well no i'm, I'm glad you kind of picked that up because I, I wanted to in the first few pages i wanted to kind of show his family kind of so that you see like okay his family's important to him yeah um and he and he he really loves his family and that that's that's a big part of his life too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now in this and you you did that on the first freaking page all right yeah. and then on the second page i see him talking to a woman uh has a maternal vibration and then i'm seeing a a a, a very strong black man on the cover with like a wolf behind them in in this frame over the fireplace can you talk about that a little bit yeah it's funny because um my artist gian um when we first started um i used to write um i don't do this so much now because uh we've got like a a really good 
um, relationship in terms of like communication. In fact, sometimes it's like he's he's reading my mind. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, I used to write a lot of um, details, right, about the scene and, and stuff like that. And um, I was like, and so there's a there's a backstory in it where his um his family is um, old time, um, not just from New Orleans, but uh, that part of the, um that part of uh, down south where mm-hmm. you had uh, fur trappers and um, there's like werewolves um, in the in the background story. So that's why you see that that huge wolf and wow um, yeah. So there's there's a little background story to that. And so okay. I just wanted to kind of like put that in the picture, like Hint, so. You want to you want to tease a little bit that there might be a prequel after you uh, put this on yeah. inky paper. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised you caught that because in the beginning I used to put a lot of little things in it that kind of like hints at hey you know if if I begin to expand the story you know um there, there's there's a little reference to it you know um, before and it's not like I just came out of it with the blue you know what I mean. That's how you can tell quality. When you when you go into the corners and the nooks and the crannies and put little gems, um, that's something that uh, 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 I'm thinking about the old name that 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 um, Daoud Anyebuile uh, did in Brother Man back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in a we're in a, a Black Arts Renaissance right now. We had another one uh, before this in like ninety. I think it's like ninety up till ninety four ninety. Uh-huh five or something like that and right. uh he used to do the same thing you know put these little references in the little corners and stuff and everything so no i, I peeped it now uh tell me about the protagonist because um i might have missed his name i got the name of his drummer and i got the name of his guitarist but i don't remember his name oh jonas jonas so, okay um, okay all right all right yeah okay i'm not sure why they said jonas like 12 times okay why do you <laughs> got the animals talking Oh, <laughs> um, so those, those are um, uh, mystical creatures, really. Um, so they're not just regular, you know, owls or ravens. Um, so, you know, just just a, a big, well, not big spoiler, but, you know, a tiny little spoiler. You'll see one of them, you know, transform. OK, no, 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 no. Tell about it. Tell about it. <laughs> now. Now. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, you know the the did, did you is this something that you grew up with is this research that you've done i mean you know how did you pull all these pieces together uh so originally it, it really started off um i wanted to do a zombie story originally um so in the first chapter it, there's no reference to the zombies it's totally different um in in the future you'll see a little bit um the, the zombie um coming into the story but Originally started with a zombie story. I was a big fan of, um, and still am a, a big fan of the Walking Dead comic book series. Okay, I, th- I thought you know Kirkman did a really good job with that, um, and I liked it because it felt like uh, I was um, I was watching TV while I was reading a comic book. Wow! It felt so I, when I, when I saw that writing style, and it was I was like, you know what? I, I was like, I this I was like, this is really dope. And so um, when I decided to uh, do this, um, I decided to kind of have that same kind of approach where um, I wanted them to feel like they were watching a TV series while reading a comic book, you know. Um, okay. So it originally started with um, as, as a zombie story and, and grew into a, something more because as I thought of the idea, I was like, you know, um, everyone's doing zombie stories. I, you know, um, I wanted to do a zombie story. 
being a, a fan of The Walking Dead. But I was like, I wanted, I want a twist to it. So um, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kind of uh, make my zombies different. I'm going to uh, use the um, the Haitian zombie lore of um, what a zombie is, right? Because that's the original zombie, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where that's where the ideas of zombie comes from. So um, I, I I'm going to transform what you know, you typically think of a zombie into something a little different. And um, and then I started, uh, from there I was like, you know, why stop at the zombie? So I wanted, being Haitian myself, I wanted to kind of incorporate more of um, kind of like the, the Haitian mystique into the story. Well, see, I, I think you got that, particularly when the guys go into the club. And I'm not going to, you know, give too much detail but the way he related to the crowd, the way he related to the the other guys, including related to the women, there was some swag in there. You know what I mean? You could tell. You could tell. Now, uh, let's take a nice little sidebar and let's talk about zombies. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to know, in your opinion, when did we get what I call the technological zombie? For a while, zombies was just the realm of mysticism. You pissed off a... Uh, you know, a, 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 you know, I won't say witch doctor, but a mystical type of person. You know what I mean? You know, next thing you know, uh, you waking up in a grave. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that ruins your whole weekend. But now, <laughs> you know, a virus spreads. And uh, do you do you have an opinion on which zombie you prefer? Like the traditional, you know, voodoo type zombie, voodoo, whatever you call it. And then, or, or this biological, technological type zombie, which, which is diet or coke? Which do you prefer? Pepsi oh, wow. Or coke? Um, oh, wow. Uh, that's a good question. Um, so, The Walking Dead is, is more of a biological kind of thing. It, it's kind of inferred in that. Um, so, and, and for the most part, I, I think that, that seems to be a little bit, uh, in terms of scaring people, I think. That, that hits the spot a little bit more now because I, I remember back in the days when anthrax and um, uh, biochemicals was a big thing. Right. You know, Saddam was using them biochemicals on his own people. And, and in the news, that was a big deal at that time. And I, I remember. And so it was like, I think, I think maybe that was a part of the reason why the zombies started to become a little bit more um, uh, biotech based, you know? Okay. Um, that's, that's my oh, thing. All right. All right. All right. Now, now I'm trying to remember that, that early movie by that Spanish brother. I can't remember his name. Um, was it, was it Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead or something? The old joint, black and white with the brother who survived to the very end. Oh, and, oh, oh. and then the police killed him. What, what was, yeah. the, <laughs> what was I, the name of that one? I forgot the name. But I know what you're talking about, yeah. To me, that was like, I think the first movie that I remember where it wasn't like a voodoo type. It wasn't no drums. You know what I mean? It wasn't no village. It wasn't no white explorer. Oh, oh, you know what I mean? Kind of a thing. It was so so what is it about zombies that is excited you? Zombies over vampires or, or something like that? Well the the idea that you could come back from life, right, but you're not really alive. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's that's just like it's just a scary thought. I mean I think um, people are more scared; would be more scared of that than actually um, being a vampire or becoming a werewolf. You know, that's oh, that's cool. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but dying mm-hmm. and um, becoming a zombie just seems a, a lot more scarier. Yeah. The other thing that I enjoy about this book 
is that your character, uh, Jonas, uh, is his own man. He's not, you know, some sidekick. He's not waiting for somebody to save him. Or, gee, Batman, what we're going to... You know I mean? It's none of that bullshit. You know, if yeah, it was, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. even be talking to you right now. It's none of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But not only that, he's, he's, he's leading his family in the absence of his father, right? And then he got this little girl that he's trying to build something with, and he got a band. So it's a lot of people depending on him. Yeah, yeah. He's... I wanted him to be a, a natural born leader sort of personality. Like, you know, people people follow him because uh he's just he's just a, a born natural leader and he 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 cares about people and he tries to help people as much as he can. So I, I wanted to kinda of convey that sense and that he, he's always trying to do right and he, he's it's it's part of his nature to um try to make sure that um justice is served, you know no matter what the consequences. He's not one of those people who just lays back and let things happen. Right, right, right. So, so we, you know, we're not going to get too much into the book, but again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just to remind you, go over to dreamfurycomics.com. That's plural, dreamfurycomics.com. And you can check out the uh, webcomic. I think it's like 20, 20 uh, pages um, that I've gone through. The art is fantastic. Can you tell me about your artist? How did you hook up with him? And then tell me about the process of y'all working together. Oh, yeah. Um, Gene is, is great. He's uh, His full name is, like we mentioned earlier, Gene Carlo Bernal. Um, he hails from the Philippines. That guy is awesome. Um, it was funny because the way I, I, I was looking for artists is I would, I would ask them to do commissions of the characters that was in the story. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'd ask one artist to do this character and, another artist to do this, um, another character. And I asked him to, to do this monster for me. And this, the thing that he brought back was like, it was crazy. It had so much details. I was like, yo, this is the guy right here. Wow. I was like, this is the guy. So um, I was like, yo, let's start the comic book, right? I think he only did like two characters for me. And I was like, that was enough. I was like, let's start. And um, I remember getting back the first page and when I got the first page back, I mean, I was I was really blown away. Wow. And I was it was you know how you guys like I, I see people's reaction to his art. Mm-hmm. Um, but my reaction to his art is even like more intensified because mm-hmm. it's it's like it's what well, I'm writing something for him. Right. And I have this vision and then he's implementing it on on the computer. And it's like whatever he's putting out is, is even better than what I imagined, you know? Wow. Um, and, and it's, it's been a really great relationship. He's, he's, he really inspires me. Like, um, what I do now is like, I give him pages at like four or five, um, the script four or five pages at a time mm-hmm. because I want to see what he does. And mm-hmm. so like when I see his drawings, it, it, it helps inspire me. Sometimes I'll tweak certain things in the story because I see what he gives me back, and I'm like, okay, all right. And then, um, like for example, like we had, um, I had originally designed um, these monsters, and you know the Grunch, yeah, um, those little guys. Originally, they didn't, they looked nothing like that. Um, but as he was producing the drawings, and we were getting closer to producing that page, I was like, no, you know what? I was like, this is, I was like, this the, the monster that we designed. This is not, this is not the right thing. <laughs> you know, I was like. Um, According to the way, you know, um, the way Gene is drawing and 
the way the story is flowing right now, I need to change it. Mm. So, um, so I changed it, and um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way it came out because I did a lot of research on that because the grunge in particular because that that is a, a pure New Orleans um, creature right there. Um, that's local to that area. You actually had to Google that. I was like, is that like a Hank or something? You know, I mean, every, every, like in North Carolina, they talked about a Hank, which I believe was a ghost or something along those lines. And then I heard in Mexico, they got a Chupacabra, which is supposed to be some kind of werewolf dog or something. So every group got their, you know, mythos. And so since we own it, can you tell us about the Grunch? Not to be confused. With the green guy that Jim Carrey played, right? So can you tell us yeah, about the yeah, grunge? Yeah, yeah. So um, in New Orleans, there's this myth about um, uh, a mixture of um, uh, these, these people. They were a mixture of um, dwarves and albinos. And because those two groups back in the days were really outcasts in society, they interbred. And because they interbred, they became like this monstrous kind of uh, human-like um, creature, right? And um, there's a particular road called the Grunch Road, and they say that if if uh, you get lost or if you stop on that road, the, the Grunch will eat you or or kill you. Um, and when I was doing research on that, I was I would Google the images just as to see what a Grunch was. And the the Grunch, it, I, from what I seen on on Google, they they were like these little creatures, and um, they really look like lizard like and or demons and real. Tiny little creatures or big creatures, but it. Um, and originally, I was kind of basing uh, how they would look on that. But then, as I, I thought about it more, I was like, "Wait a minute! These, these this monster is based on um, a, a mixture of albinos and um, uh, uh, dwarves." So I was like, "Nah, they. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it because um, I, I want to redefine what a grunch looks like." <laughs> so all right. Um, so we so we flipped it. That's cool. That's cool. Now, uh, let's let's talk about the communication. He's from the Philippines. So in the Philippines, they speak Spanish, right? Uh, no, there's uh, I forgot what it's called. Um, a T. I forgot what it's called. But I think okay. it starts with a T, but it's not. Um, so it's tell not me about exactly the communication. Spanish. He's an English speaker. How did y'all do it? Uh, we believe it or not. Um, we've never talked over the phone. It's it's pure um, email and instant messaging. OK. Yeah, so um, we email back and forth. Um, we use we use uh, Google Docs to share documents. Okay. Um, so and, and it's been fine so far. You know, um, there's no real no problems in the communication. Now I, I like to talk about you know the artwork, and I like to talk about the business side. Um, so you have Google Docs instead of uh, Dropbox. Um, uh, yeah. You talked about text instant messenger. So uh, obviously he understands English, right? You know what I mean, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that you found him on DeviantArt. Like, how did you guys? Like, how did you guys hook up? Yeah, I found him on um, DeviantArt, and um, I don't remember exactly uh, what, which, because I I was going back and forth. I was doing a lot of research as to what artists I, I want, and I did find him on DeviantArt. But I think it was a different website. Um, I want to say that I found about him first, and uh, not first, but um, eventually in Kickstarter because he um, he's had a couple of uh, Kickstarter projects. Oh, okay. Um, it was, yeah, it was one called the um, Last Days of Kevin. Um, he was the artist for that, and uh, another guy, G.S. Falk, was the author. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I saw him on um, Kickstarter, and I was like, hey, I, you know, I recognize that name. And so I was like, you know, it's a plus that this guy's already done, like, an actual comic book on Kickstarter. So he's he's, he's familiar with the process. Mm-hmm. So when I saw him in DeviantArt again, I was like, that's when I reached out to him. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, I was... I was using a lot of uh, different websites. Uh, one of them was um, Behance. I'll okay. look at Behance too. Um, you can find artists there. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of work um, doing research and finding artists, just the right artist for your story. Yeah. Because you, you have to go through, it feels like 100 artists before you could even um, actually decide who you're going to go with. Now, getting deeper into this process, can you talk a little bit about you know, how you guys, you don't have to give me a number, but tell me how you arrived at a, like a price. Was it just a set price? Was it negotiated? Did you use PayPal or some other means, you know, Bitcoin, you know, like, like tell me about that <laughs> mechanical process. Yeah. I told, so, um, the, the process he was, I asked him what his price was. And, um, when he told me his price, I was like, okay, I was like, yeah, this guy's definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. And, um, from there, uh, you know, I have a, a, a templated contract that I, I use, and mm-hmm. um, there's a website uh, uh, called um, uh, Docracy. Uh, oh, okay. It's, it's a great website because you can create a contract, and um, people can sign it electronically. So wow. you create the contract, um, you send it out in the email, the person clicks on the email, goes to the Docracy site, they sign it or not sign it according to whatever they want to change, and, and then once everything's done and agreed with, you sign it, and boom, that's it. Um, you, you've, you've actually implemented that contract with somebody halfway across the world. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Now let me let me let me break in here real quick, man. And I, nobody's gonna say this but me. So people, I'll say it myself. I'm in IT, right? And Ooh. so you know, somebody like myself in IT might say, man, you know. Uh, I'm doing okay. I can't complain. Uh, but I know that there's people coming up in IT who don't want to compete with folk from overseas whose government actually is investing in infrastructure, investing in, uh, you know, the education and all that kind of stuff. You know, so somebody like myself, I'm against outsourcing of big companies. I want okay, you to yeah. work with Americans, blah, 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 blah. That's but funny. On, I'm in IT too and I'm a consultant. I, I see that all the time, man. There's, People, when it's funny because people complain about, um, oh, the Mexicans are coming here and taking all our jobs. Right. But the Mexicans, they're, they're really taking the low paying jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I work for an IT consulting company. People have no idea how much good white collar jobs are being um, just sent overseas. Yeah. And, and it's incredible. And these are more, these are high paying, um, high collar jobs. It's not like, you know, um, so I'm like, people are looking in the wrong place when they talk <laughs> yeah. about some of these uh, concerns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the flip side, artists like yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and again, it's not just you. It's like other people, people outsource printing. Some artists I talk to, their books gets printed in China. And yeah, so yeah. you can't argue the fact that capital chases cheap labor, but capital also chases inexpensive and quality <laughs> labor kind of a thing you know what i mean it's like you know in in the west i think that we should maybe take the posture of instead of complaining well they're outsourcing everything we could do like you (laughs) and create something 
to where you, you know what I mean? If you the outsourcer, you know, it seems to work in your favor. You know what I mean? Because you get a quality product. Somebody yeah. else oversee. You know, that's what, that's the only way you could, because you can't bitch about the world how you want it to be. You got to take it as it is. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because outsourcing doesn't just um, benefit the big guys. They also benefit the, the little guys like yeah. me, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it, it lowers the barrier to entry. You yeah. Know? Um, now, instead of paying, you know, um, I don't know, like $3,000 just to start something, now you can start off with maybe $500, $1,000 just to um, fulfill your dream, you know. Mm-hmm. And for people, that's a big difference, you know, as to whether or not, they can continue doing what they they love to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the whole thing. Not only is, you know, the software on your desktop as powerful as what Walt Disney and them had, you know, back in the day or whatever. Yeah. But um, the skill sets, like you said, I mean, the world is smaller. I remember an interview with uh, I think it was is it Todd McFarlane who did Spawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about how he was looking for a new artist and somebody hit him up from like a scandinavian country or whatever and he you know he sent him via email his portfolio and he picked them right on the spot they negotiated price and then boom as opposed to back in you know when i was a little bit younger well i had to walk around my portfolio and go and open up the little black leather thing and show my stuff so the world is so much smaller um it's just so much smaller now, yeah. uh, so the good thing is you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we already agreed that if you don't print this, <laughs> Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, you know what I mean? Uh, Umar Johnson are going to have all of them at your door. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. The good thing is you're going to have a, a, a fully laid out book when you start your Kickstarter, right? Is that your master plan? Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Kickstarter. I've mm-hmm. um, supported a lot of comic books. Uh, via Kickstarter. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, it's almost an addiction. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so um, the one pet peeve I have is when people, um, I don't mind that they don't have the full book, but their deadlines are like so off. Like, yeah. you know, you know, instead of being like, uh, yeah, I, you know, I can understand being six weeks behind, uh-huh. but sometimes you're talking about like three, four months. You know, you don't know, got me. Do you got me on camera? Because I'm showing this book that I finally got after two fucking years. <laughs> me supporting this Kickstarter. You probably know what I'm talking about. I don't put the brothers on blast. Two yes. fucking years, man. Yeah. Finally see, got this graphic novel. See, that's that's what I don't like. And and you know, I I and it's funny because you know I work in the corporate world, and I understand you know having deadlines and things. And but I, I you know I also understand that. Certain things happen, and you're not. This is not your full time job and thing. But right. you know, at the same time, you know, do a little research. You know, yeah. find out exactly um, how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have a really good buffer of time. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what? I want to make sure that I have like almost everything done as mm-hmm. as much as possible, so that when I start this, um, people can actually go to the web comic, take a look at um, what's happening, and um, and then they they see for themselves like hey you know what I actually want this in print let me let me go buy this yeah um, I'm not sure how people do it when because I would be scared if all I had was an idea and an artist and then um, I'm like all right let's do this Kickstarter project you know show them a few pages and then do the pages and and then try to get it done that way because you know shit happens there's yeah. so many things that could go wrong yeah. to me that's scarier you know than than actually um, 
going ahead and produce your, your comic book first. Yeah, you know? man, because if you fuck up, it's not like you ruined your reputation on the east east side of New Orleans. This this yeah. worldwide. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. I mean? <laughs> Talking about you in the Philippines for ten years. But um but here's the thing about Kickstarter though. Um, one, you're, you're right. It lowers the barri- barri- uh, barri- the barrier of entry. Um, but two, it exposes the fact that people want something different other than Batman, Superman, blah, 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 oh, yeah. blah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like a whole, all these other, you know, ideas. And here's the other thing. The black Kickstarters are hitting their goals, yeah. hitting them early mm-hmm. and going over. Yeah, and it's, you, you'll notice that with a lot of the um, uh, some underserved, un- underserved, underserved uh, audiences. Like you, I noticed it with the um, the LGBT. Um, I, I know I probably just <laughs> massacred that up, but their community they always back each other up. Like whenever you see a book like that, um, the same you know the same thing with the black community. It's like whenever you see some underserved, underserved community they they're always like oh wow you know this this isn't available you know in, in the commercial market but i have it here in kickstarter they're, they're quick to actually um jump on it and, and you're right it it shows where um people aren't getting what they need yeah and, and another thing it, it, the reason i like kickstarter too is um it's a way of validating um your project right hmm. um now, there, there's a lot of things that you can do wrong business wise and you might have a great idea and it, and it still fails mm-hmm. but you know most of the times um if you haven't if you have an audience yeah and they they fund that kickstarter then you know you have something yeah you know um so it's a great way to kind of test the market to see if if um people are ready for what you have mm-hmm. you know um so it's not like you're you're guessing like will people like this you know how 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 much you know how many people will actually buy this so if you, it's it's a great test market for that. You know, you know that maybe hey, if um, if I didn't get funded, you know, either you're doing something um, wrong business wise, which is even even an, an, um, I mean, it's 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 unfortunate, but at the same time, it's good too because now you know like okay, I'm lacking in marketing, so yeah. I need to do this. So you mm-hmm. know that okay, I need to raise my awareness. I need to do this, um, and then or if you're lacking um, somehow in in content of the book, like all right, maybe I need to improve that. But either way, it, it shows strengths and weaknesses. It, it helps validate what you're doing. Okay. Let's, let's go with that marketing vibration. So how do you market uh, DreamFuryComics.com? How do you market? Oh, um, I do a lot of social media. It's, it's, it's a lot of social media. Uh, that, and I try to market as, as much as Let's get as real possible. specific. Are you doing live feeds? Are you taking pictures? What are you doing? And what, yeah, what so, is Snapchat, Instagram, Divine, uh, you know, what, what are you, Black Planet, what are you doing, uh, you know? What Black you Planet is still a thing. I remember Black Planet. <laughs> yeah, so um, uh, when I started, it was really hard because you, you don't really have a lot of content. So um, I was just, you know, putting things out there on Instagram I find I get a lot of love on Instagram because I guess it's, you know, such a visual medium and comic book is too. So people respond to that a lot. Um, Facebook is really hard to, to master, but, you know, I've been trying my best. Um, I, I post on all three top ones, including Twitter. Um, I try to post every day 
uh, they recommend that you post at least twice a day. Um, in the beginning, that was hard because I didn't really have that much content to be posting twice a day, and um, to come up with like things to say twice a day. You know, you, you know, I, you don't want to BS around after a while and like right. put stupid things up. But then, it, um, but then is, but you you have to do it. You could you have to do it as much as possible because in the beginning it may seem silly because you're really talking to maybe like uh, two or three people, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you're just beginning. Not not everybody knows about you. But you have to treat those uh, two or three people like they're a thousand people, yeah. right? So um, you just have to keep going. And what you'll find is that you'll slowly build an audience up. And at the same time, you'll build a, a library of material, right? So now when you're, when you're up to, like, let's say 50 people following you, you've already got all this uh, material. And it's not like they're looking at one or two, um, two things from you because you've waited too long to, to build up your library. They're looking like, oh, you know, you, they look through your, um, your Instagram post. They might. I've seen people actually go back through time and like old stuff that I've had, you know. That's crazy like two, when they find something from like a year ago yeah. and repost. I'm like, you ain't, yeah. the, you ain't the CIA. Is where, where you go? Why are you, why are you checking me out? Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but it's beautiful, yeah. though, that they, they find your content that interesting. Yeah, it is. It is it's beautiful. And, and, and you've got to realize that you've got to keep building that content. It, it'll feel like you're talking to an empty room sometimes but the great thing about the social networks too is what they do is you people can easily find stuff from way back you know via hashtags you know um there's this this one tool called uh crowdfire what they do is once you join they give you um the ability to repost other people's stuff i have people who are in crowdfire that are reposting my things from like two months ago and um, you know, at that time, there was there was no likes for it, but because I have a bigger following, there's there was more likes now than there was from before. Wow! So um, you can't really you can't really judge what you're doing by um by the, at the current time because in the future it will pay off. You know, you, you'll just you'll you build a, a large library of social media content. So when I it kind of frustrates me when you know I hear people. You know, they're like, oh, well, you know what? I'm just going to wait till um, my stuff is getting better or I have, I have enough things. Now, as soon as you think that you, you're going to start a story, put something up. I don't care if it's um, a stick figure of your character. or mm-hmm. um, some, uh, Sometimes you, in like Instagram, you could actually type out words instead of sending a picture. Type out some words about the story that you're going to do. Just, just put something up. Start from the beginning because... Um, that building up that social media and following takes a long time. Even if your stuff is really good, because Gene Gene's art is great. In in my mind, mm-hmm. he should have like we should be having like based on his art alone, we should be having like ten thousand Instagram followers. Mm-hmm. But no, even with even with great art, it still takes a lot of time to to build your following. So you know, I really recommend that you start as early as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now uh, let's let's uh, talk about the Kickstarter, right? I got this. <clears throat> you can't see it, but it's a magic button on my desk, okay. and uh, and I click it, and your Kickstarter kicks off. Everything is beautiful. You get the funding that you want. Mm-hmm. Are you still enamored with paper? I mean, you could easily just take, you know, what 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 Gian uh, Gian oh, Gian yeah. Gian. You could take what it gives you, PDF it. You understand? Uh, throw it up on uh, Comicsology and be done. How uh, are you still enamored with paper? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's funny because uh, my my electronic uh, comic book collection has surpassed my physical comic book connection uh, uh, collection by I don't know maybe five times the amount. Wow, it's crazy. So, but I still I still love the physical comic books, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think I'll ever go away from for real. Um, people who actually really love comic books because i like i like both mediums i like reading it uh, on cosmicology Mm -hmm. and uh, the actual physical comic book um each of them have you know their pluses and minuses i mean you can you can read in the dark (laughs) 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 you know electronically on your ipad um you don't have this huge collection of uh comic books taking up space uh you Yes, I've I've learned to um to really love the the reading panel by panel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's kind of great. And at first it was a little it took some getting used to, but I like reading by, panel by panel now. Um, but I still I still love reading comics, the the actual physical comics. Um, you know, there's nothing like it. And I think um, we still live in a physical world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like when you like like for example like. Um, Instagram, right? I was thinking about it one day, and I was like, I think one of the things that made Instagram blow up real quick is that people physically, um, at that time, I think they were the first person people to do it, or maybe one of the first people mm-hmm. to like something. You had to physically tap, <laughs> tap hmm. it, right? That's a big thing. So you're you're physically, you know, make you now you're physically making a connection with something you like, right? Mm-hmm. So I think um, when you attach a physical component to anything um it just makes that a lot more um uh connected so when people see artwork they yeah. want to feel connected to it right so mm-hmm. they want that they want to uh, to actually feel that physical thing and mm-hmm. um like, like for example like uh i had created some prints that gene did of one of the pages when i got the print back oh, oh my gosh man the, the artwork in my hand and just just seeing it in in real life mm-hmm. it 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 was like ten times better than seeing it on the screen. Wow! So, I mean, I don't think anything can beat the physical um, world just yet. You know, right. um, you know, electronically, you know, has some advantages, but the physical world, I think that's where it's it's, it's going to be at. <laughs> I mean, we, we have to it. we have to be honest with ourselves, right? I mean, if that missile that missed missed uh, Hawaii and and missed Japan the other day, I mean, if that were to hit. All we got is paper. You know what I mean? All the phones ain't going to work. You know what I mean? The, the iPads, you, you understand? We're going to be back to Stone Age. You, you know yeah. what I mean? So, you know. Now, let, now let, me, let me throw a little twist. I'm going to keep going with your, with your Instagram thing. You was like, you know, the, the physicality of Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Wouldn't it be crazy if, because this is the renaissance, this is gaining popularity. So the way it usually works, just like jazz in the old days, right? You know, black people down there in, 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 the, in the poor neighborhoods or whatever. And then hip white people come down, right? And they're, oh, wow. You know, they tell their friends. They keep come, And so eventually, you know, the bigger clubs bring them up, and then it becomes popular. It's the new thing, you know, kind of thing. So we see, you know, uh, you know this, this renaissance happening. All of a sudden, out of the clear blue sky, Marvel wants to do a Black Panther. It's like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of thing. You guys he had a hit with Blade and you let him rock. But anyway, the point is, wouldn't it be interesting is all of these books would be the driving force to make these phones even bigger. Because these are big phones now. I still got my uh, iPhone 4S 
And uh, it's a little it's a little screen compared to this uh, note, this Galaxy Note I got. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't read no comic book on no fucking, you know what I mean? It's ain't too small. Yep. I mean, yeah, I mean, unless uh, I, we, I think the phones are going to get bigger. And I think these things are going to get more immersive. You're right. There's some uh, media, particularly this particular art style, that just blossoms on the paper. You know what yeah. I mean? There's some art styles like uh, this uh, Kickstarter I supported. Uh, let's see. It's uh, Roosevelt Pitt, uh, Jay Kelly, and Vince White. Um, three brothers got together, did this like universal crossover, like all their characters come together. And their artist uses a lot of kind of like electric blues and stuff. Those look really good on the screen. Mm-hmm. You get those printed, they pop, but they don't pop as hard as when it's backlit. Right, right, but right. Your comic, you know, what you and Gene put together, it reminds me of when I first saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I never forget. I walked into the store. I was in D.C. Walked into the store. Comic book rack. Um, and uh, and I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That sounds wild. And so I opened it up. And the art was, now your art is, this art is more refined and everything. But it was just, it was it was punchy. It w- It yeah. had some type of in-your-face like I'm looking at page, uh, well, the, uh, almost the last page, where uh, he has these weapons. I'm not going to say what they are, but his face is kind of lit because of the weapons and stuff. I'm like, man, this is man, man. Gene, he kills it, man. <laughs> he, yeah, it's like every time he sends me a page, I'm always blown away. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you know what's funny? Um, in fact, I I, I got to do. Um, I, I was planning to do a uh, a live feed on this Instagram, but there was a particular page where he's uh, he's talking to his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was going through the comic book uh, a couple of days ago, and I, I looked at that page, and I was like, and it's it's all he's doing is talking to his girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I looked at that page, and I was like. Man, this page is crazy because when when you look at the way the body language that he uses yeah. as they're talking in the conversation, it was so fluid. It was so real. And I was like, I really got goosebumps because I was like, yo, because <laughs> I so like um because I have the um the Photoshop file, right? So I just took off the, the layer where um where there are no bubbles. Mm-hmm. And and I looked at it and the body language that he was using to con- con- convey the, the actual emotions and the ideas that yeah. they're they're saying in that conversation was so on point. I was like, yo, this is not even an action page, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, it's just it's just people talking. Yeah. But you could you could feel. I was like, I was, I was. Like, I'm gonna say it again. If if Gene is uh, listening right now, he, he he's the bomb, man. That I, I don't. I, I feel real lucky to have him as an artist, man. Yeah, I think both of you guys together make a terrific duo. Um, yeah. My favorite panel isn't even an action panel. It's on page 16. Uh, again, family, dream, uh, dreamfurycomics.com, uh, Crescent City Monsters. It's page 16, and he's about to lay a kiss on a cutie pie. And I'm thinking, okay, surrounding him, I thought it was just a forest. Right. So, you know, because the previous panel, they, you know, they took her to. A, I did that before. You know, you take your girl to a little grassy <laughs> meadow, moonlight. You understand? You, you know what I mean? And they, they little kissy kissy and everything. 
And then so you go to the next panel. It's like, are the trees moving? You go to the next panel. It's like, oh, oh, oh. You know what I mean? It's like, so that, that, when you said Walking Dead, I could kind of see that. You know what I mean? A little bit. You know what I mean? You know, like, yeah. I can kind of see that kind of thing. Look, man, I'm not going to keep you forever. I just wanted to introduce my audience to the epicness that you and uh, uh, and uh, Jen is putting down. Um, tell the folk where they can find you on Instagram. Tell us about your website and, uh, you know, how we can support you in the future. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on the top three uh, social media platforms at Dream Fury Comics. That, uh, Dream Fury Comics. That's uh, D R E A M F U R Y Comics. Um, both on Twitter, um, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, you can find the actual webcomic, read it for free on uh, DreamFuryComics.com. And uh, you can support me by visiting the website, following us on social media, um, and Signing up for our newsletter, that's a big thing, too. If you really love our work, sign up for our newsletter because um, we'll let you know when the Kickstarter uh, begins. It's going to start soon, so um, we'll need as much support as possible. And um, the best way to do that is sign up for the newsletter so we can let you know when that's happening. Um, You can sign up for the newsletter on our Facebook site. Uh, There's a sign-up button there, or you can go to our actual website, DreamFuryComics.com. And on the bottom of the page, there's a little sign-up button. You can sign up there. So, um, I, you know, I appreciate all the support. I appreciate all the positive reviews I've been getting. You know, I appreciate you taking some time to have me on your podcast. Um, I've been listening to a few of your podcasts. You're a great interviewer. I, I love your stuff. Um, so, you know, um, just, just keep supporting Crescent City Monsters. Your family, I hope y'all enjoy that interview as much as I enjoy bringing it to you. This is Jonathan Soul speaking with you now. Of course, you can go to JonathanSoul.com for more episodes. You can uh, subscribe there. You can also subscribe on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, J-O-H-N-A-T-H-A-N-S-O-U-L on Instagram. And of course, if you go to my YouTube channel, you'll see where I do videos uh, reviewing the comics. Uh, The thing about comics is it's not just for collectors or or enthusiasts of the art form like myself. It's about getting your kids to read again. You know, C. Tick Run is boring as hell, but when they see Bangs at Pow and they're black characters, that's a whole world of difference. Uh, Also, family, you can support the channel by going to Amazon or, or my site and pick it up my novel, my sci-fi novel, Malcolm Mars. I love you guys. Hope all your dreams come true. See you next Sunday here on Jonathan Soul. Peace.